0: Gang, This is Almighty, over. PBR Street Gang, this is Almighty, standing by, over. PBR Street Gang, this is Almighty, standing by, how do you copy? They were gonna make me a major for this. And I wasn't even in their fucking army
1: anymore. Everybody wanted me to do it. Him, most of all.
0: I felt like he was up there, waiting for me to take the pain away. He just wanted to go out like a soldier, standing up. Not like some poor, wasted,
1: rag-assed renegade. Even the jungle wanted him dead. And that's who he really took
0: his orders from, anyway. All right. So uh welcome. This is uh here you are Wasa. I'm I'm here with uh somebody I have known for a long time but never really talked about this particular topic with uh So I think Greg the so Greg, why don't you just introduce yourself?
1: Okay, Dino. Happy to be with you. Greg Ormson. I lived in Wasa for 12 years where I taught at NTC as a communication instructor. Mostly writing, speech, those kinds of things. And um Moved to Hawaii after retiring from NTC in 57, lived there four years, and then was throwing a coin as to whether to go to Arizona or Florida. And um, my partner, Debbie Iozo who went with me, we were together in Wausau, and then she went with me to Hawaii, and then we decided together to come down to Arizona, and so we've been here for the last two years now. And uh, I grew up in Menominee, Wisconsin. I lived in Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, um wisconsin of course i lived in seattle one summer traveled quite a few states and been to few, several different countries but mainly um that's enough for that i'm just here to talk with dino about yoga tonight and, and happy to connect again dino it's sure. been a long time been yeah. a long time <laughs> so i think aside
0: from like seeing you at gigs i think the last time i saw you was at somebody's apartment at wasa east
1: Yes, that was Nick Hohen when we were practicing with the band, I think, with the McGee's yeah. at that point. Yeah. yeah. And you were you were doing a story for the culture bin. I bin.
0: was, yeah, and it was and I just remember, <laughs> in, in whose apartment was that?
1: Yeah, that was Nick. Nick oh, Hohen's wow. apartment, yeah.
0: Okay. I just good
1: old Wausau East. Yeah,
0: man, what a and what a great apartment. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. A great yeah, place. Yeah. So let's, let's just sort of jump right into, to, to the yoga, the thing. So, cool. so you, over the years, you've been sending me articles and I, you know, sort of been paying attention to, to how you've been writing about yoga, but more importantly, um, so, so let's, yeah, let's start talking about the articles and then I want to step back from that. So how did you become someone who writes about yoga?
1: Yeah. Great, great, uh, great entry there, Dino. Well, it's funny, man. I started in, I started doing yoga in 2012 because my back hurt so bad I couldn't even get up off the floor one day. And I was supposed to help Debbie put up a television stand. I couldn't even help her; my back was so bad. And that uh, that all the etiology of that whole injury was 25 years ago in Michigan. I fell from a roof while uh, chipping ice away from the gutter and landed on a ladder on my lower left back and my back was so bad that I knew I had to do something man and it suddenly occurred to me laying there in Hawaii well, what what the hell are all these yoga signs every other building I see maybe I should try that and so <laughs> I started yoga in the fall of 2012 it was kind of a last resort Dino I was terribly injured and I stepped into it did a few sessions the teacher challenged me said Greg why don't you try the 30-day challenge and i said what's that he said come to as many classes as you can possibly come to in 30 days i went to 24 classes out of that month and at the end of that month my back felt like it was not completely healed not completely fixed not completely like i was 15 but sure. man it was you know it was good man and i could bend and the pain was gone and i'm like saying to myself well dude." There's probably uh, a pathway here. And so I kept going to yoga, Dino, and then here's what happened with the writing. Yoga causes one to start thinking about things when you're sitting there or laying there in a state of exhaustion and kind of an intense focus and mindful moment and breathing uh, with intention and mindfulness. And suddenly all these images started coming to me, man. In Hawaii, I was separated from my family, separated from our friends in Wausau, separated from uh, everybody I knew, separated from my professional colleagues. There we were in this island in the middle of nowhere, completely alone, pretty much. And it was hard to make friends there. And these images started coming to me of my family. Some were good, some were pretty tough and, and, and hard to handle. And by God, Dino, I went home one day after yoga, and I sat down in my apartment uh, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Boo hoo for me, huh? Boo hoo. Yeah, I'm not really. Yeah, right. It <laughs> yeah, was a hundred. <laughs> it was a
0: hundred below zero here a few days ago. Yeah, right?
1: you're not really feeling it. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I
0: got okay, you, but you brother. go ahead and talk about the Pacific Ocean
1: all you <laughs> no, want. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, man. Well, I I started writing about my family, and something just got into me, and I I. I I wrote intensely about my family for about a year, and everything came out. You know, in the yoga classes, I was in sweat and tears, and I was just, you know, working it all out. And it took about a year of a lot of writing, a lot of writing, thousands of pages. At the end of that year, I tore it all up, and I started writing about yoga. I was like, well, God, I should write about this today. The instructor said this, and I wrote about it. And I got it published, and that was in 2012 um, for a thing called the Yoga Blog. And then here we are, um, seven years later, and I've published 72 articles in 12 national and international publications. Uh, the most recently, Ohm Yoga and Lifestyle magazine out of uh, London, and it's a print and a online feature. So, you know, all these things just happened, man, and I kept writing about yoga, along with other nonfiction subjects. And it grew from there, man, and I'm still writing um, and, and learning along the way. That's... So that's fascinating because it's it it allows
0: me to sort of ask about two things. Yeah. So I I think what's cool about what I really as as a writer, I I really like the idea um, that something broke free for you. Yeah. And that it and so what what people don't talk about with with writers a lot and, and but writers know that writing is a practice the yes. same you know the same way you you know they talk about yoga as a practice yes you know the you get more out of it the more you do it you know yes. like i i'm <laughs> i've uh so i like you i i write often and so i started uh when i i always talk about it but i i started writing uh in my in a journal on the last day of sixth grade i'm i'm forty eight now And I, and I've written every day for 30 minutes a day, uh, in my journal since I was, since the last day of sixth grade.
1: Good God, man.
0: And, uh, and the nice thing, you know, so, you know, as a right, and I don't, it was for me, I know exactly what sort of triggered it in, in sixth grade, I read the book, Harriet the spy Mm. and in the book, Harriet, the spy, Harriet just writes everything down. (laughs) <laughs> and for, as a sixth grader, I thought, well, that's the coolest thing ever. Not, you know, if you go back and look at, I, you know, cause I also got braces, you know, like the last week of sixth grade. So there's, yeah. you know, like there's some fun thematic stuff, but then over the years as a writer, all of like, I'm a, I'm a process guy. Like right. the more, you know, you, you find, you find truth and you find subject matter in the act of doing something yes you know like it's that you know yeah i'd be really great if i if i was jack kerouac and i could just write a novel kind of straight but (laughs) at, at the same time you know i'm i'm pretty impressed with just now as a 48 year old the ability to sit down and just write as a professional you know and so i'm i'm good that way and so combine that with my, my tremendous respect for yoga. And, uh, and I, it just, it's fascinating how it's a practice. Both of them are practices.
1: Indeed, my friend. And, you know, we've talked about writing before we've both talked about writing down the bones, you know, Natalie Goldberg's book and, and, you know, go, um, they they talk, who was it again? That talks about the 10,000 hours to develop an expertise, Malcolm Gladwell, right? Yeah. And how writing and yoga and all these things that have these have a certain etiology. There's always an event that sparks something, whether it's Harriet the spy, right, or whether it's falling from the damn ladder uh, and, and hurting your back. There's some event that triggers uh, the process, and then it's a process. It's a practice, absolutely, for your whole life. Right. And you know, you, you've earned your 10,000 hours. And man, when I was sitting there grading all these communication papers at NTC. 10,000 hours pouring over sentences after sentence after sentence after sentence. For 12 years, my friend, 12 yeah. years, thousands of hours going over sentences. By God, what NTC taught me as an instructor is that when I when I finished, when I retired and left, damn it, I could write a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and is... That's not a small statement, brother. That's no. not a small statement. No. No, because that's
0: the thing. Like the ability to write one sentence one damn sentence right is is amazing and then you add in you know like you add in the idea of the, the bigger idea of i can write down my truth yes. and all, all of a sudden now now we're into some some heaviness
1: yes pretty soon your whole process is the process of sat or truth you know sat right. the sanskrit word for truth and gandhi called it satyagraha it was his practice right Satyagraha, his truth force. Well, shit, brother, that takes a lot out of a person, and it puts a lot into a person.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I couldn't couldn't say it better. I just sort of, you know, and it's like I think I discovered, I well, actually, no, I know I I came to yoga at the absolute wrong point in my life. <laughs> um, so you know, I was. <laughs> I was in college, and uh, and I, you know, I, I wanted to be Allen Ginsberg, and uh, and I was Moloch, Moloch, right? And I was in a terrible relationship with a woman, and she's the one who brought me to yoga, and the perfect storm, right? Exactly. I'm like, oh, my ego, my like looking yep. back, my ego was so enormous. Yeah. And, and I feel like I feel like I should go back to UW Milwaukee and apologize to everyone in the English department and just say I'm sorry. You tried your best. There was no getting through to me then. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah. And so it was one of those things where, like, she had she had me going to to yoga and I, I took Ayurveda classes at at, <laughs> uh, at a place called Blue Sky because she was studying uh-huh. to be a massage therapist. And a physical therapist, both at the same time, because you know, she she wasn't yeah. sort of eager enough to, you know, kind of kind of take on just one thing. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, then then it turned into, uh, you know, like we we it was Ayurvedic eating and, and sort of the the philosophy. Then it was Reiki and the philosophy of breath or the mm-hmm. science of breath. And then, you know, you, we got into some of the science, like the things that I, I said were more intense, like rolfing and, and sort of joint manipulation and just some of, <laughs> some of the sort of what I, at the time I thought of as just sort of bullshit new agey practices. But, yeah. you know, cause I, again, I was 20, you know, so it just, <laughs> yeah. you have to forgive me for that. But, you know, yeah. it, it is just sort of one of those things where you just go, yeah, and but the universe, let it stay with me, you know, specifically things specifically, you know, Ayurveda and how Mm -hmm. that, that has lingered through my whole life and probably bubbled up around age 42, you know? And so, yeah. So then, yes. So tell me a little bit about, uh, the beginning of yoga for you. Yes. Was it just, so tell me, because everybody sort of has, you know, people who do yoga kind of have, there are some kind of cliched stories. In the beginning, was it just the physical for you?
1: Yeah, Well, and it's like life itself, you know, kind of a long and winding road, as you know. Uh, But at first it was primarily to address my injury. That was the main thing. And then as I started practicing Dino, uh, here's another musical reference for you. I realized, hey, there's something something happening here. There's a buffalo Springfield thrown right. at you, right? Okay. There's something happening here, and it was bringing up things in my family. And so uh, you know, that, that all started happening, and I turned my attention then to yoga, and everything became a little more intense. I mean, and my life pattern is that way. You know, something starts out recreation or fun-oriented, and then the activity t- seems to bring me somehow more insight or awareness. So then I begin learning and researching and studying more to become good at X, Y, or Z. And then you know, I mean, that's that pattern has formed my life, whether it's theological scholarship or yoga or music or motorcycling or writing or anything. And so you know, then the next five years after those first two, approximately, that would have been from like 2013 through um, through 17 you know, four or five years, pretty intense practice. And people would come up to me and say, Greg, you know, between Hawaii and Wisconsin and Michigan, wherever I practiced, Greg, you know, are you going to be a teacher? And I'd say, hell no, man. I mean, I've i have taught every damn thing I've done. I don't want to teach this. I just want to do this. I enjoy this. And then after, I guess it was six years, Dino, um, I finally thought, well, you know, it kind of makes sense. I mean, with my background in theological studies and psychology and all of that stuff, and the writing I'm doing and getting published, it kind of makes sense that I go be a teacher. So I went to the training uh, two years ago now and became a teacher, and I've been teaching ever since. And then the intensity of my practice, while on the physical side, leveled off some, also having to do with my age. (laughs) I was 64 now. Sure. But the physical practice leveled off some. However, the mental practice and the desire for um, a really keen ability to communicate this practice um, intelligently became even stronger. And, you know, that stays with me. So all of this, you know, it's happened. And, and with yoga, it happened. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I published, I had a book and I, I scored an agent. Uh, she works for Kimberly Cameron in San Francisco. She uh, She looked at my manuscript and said, Greg, you know, I'll try to get it published for you. We signed a contract. She sent it to publishers. Nobody bought it. They wrote back and saying, hey, it's good, but it doesn't fit for us. You know, it doesn't work for us. And so that was two years ago now. And I'm kind of, um, you know, I've written another 30 articles since then, or 42, actually. And so I'm kind of recasting that whole thing and trying to figure out what comes next. Um, And in the process, over the last three months, You know, I evaluated, went back and evaluated every page I've written on yoga, which is a pretty thick manuscript now. And I I boiled it all down to six main points, or what I call my presses, you know, my summaries. And so I have these six points that I'm going to really, I think, try to work with. It seems to be what's calling me is to work with these six points, develop your manuscript, your teaching, your process around these Six points. And these are the points that call to me make sense to me out of my training, background, experience, and the way I kind of incarnate life and I gotta do this and you know. So that that's kind of where it went and then so the last two years I've been teaching and uh, practicing and I started a I started a yoga program at the superstition Harley Davidson here. It's the it's the only yoga offering in the country in the Harley Davidson dealership. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was all last year. We did, we did it in the dealership. This year, um, what I've started is once or twice a month we practice in a dealership, and I call this yoga and leather, yoga for riders. Sure. Harley, Harley riders, you know. And, and then the other time during the month, I take them on about a 30-minute ride. Uh, I'll lead this ride out into the country somewhere, whether it's a river or a desert or a mountain or something. We'll stop. We'll do some 15 or 20 minutes meditating on a spot, kind of mindful presence, breathing exercises. Then I take them back to the bike and I show them six or seven simple poses that they can use the bike for as a prop to support them and help them stretch when on their travels. And so when they get off the bike after spending an hour or two riding, rather than getting up and just going, oh, God, I heard Stretch a little bit dude use the use the handlebars here to twist your body use the use the frame here to put your foot back into warrior three and your you toe down um, you know use the seat to put your leg up and kind of bend forward a bit so this is the process now is I'm really focusing on the teaching and the learning and my individual practice for me while it's still uh still physically difficult. I mean, I do a pretty hard practice. Um, I've learned how to do it in such a way that it actually, even a very difficult practice like a Bikram practice, is actually easy for me. (laughs) It's because I learned how to move and breathe and relax so deeply in the midst of stress that uh, that it's almost hardly even challenging anymore. The asanas, the movements, now it's just linking it all together, man, and that's going to take probably the rest of my life. Right, Yes. (laughs) like you said practice.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because uh Jackie, my ex that I talked about, she yeah. she's uh she pursued she had her masters in physical therapy from Marquette and uh and then after that we we split up and went our our separate ways. Um but we all we always kind of in the beginning it was me being dumped was horrible. So I, I tried to linger in the relationship and, and she humored me. But uh over the <laughs> years, you know, you sort of you mature a little bit and you're like, okay, let's actually kind of be friends. And like we've we've stayed friends is what uh I'm I'm grateful for. And uh at some point in her life, she she connected uh like you, had a, a much deeper significant connection to yoga. Mm -hmm. And uh and so you it it started for for her um this time at Blue Sky where she was learning to to be an Ayurvedic massage therapist, you know, and kind of and it was to to be honest, it it fucked up college pretty badly because like (laughs) it was that thing where like I worked at I worked at a coffee roasting facility as my you know my part-time job and she's like yeah you can't you can't drink coffee caffeine's bad for your (laughs) dna i'm like what okay you're the girl who lets me see her naked so I do whatever you say you know but it was you know like we became that weird you know you know how it is with with young people you just become sort of obsessed and so yeah like we we had broken we were in college and she was a division one athlete she was a scholarship volleyball player Uh And so you add, and she had to, she, she will say this herself. She had a bad case of exercise addiction. Uh And so you start adding all of this together and, and I get a kick. I just love looking back on that and going, we were out of our fucking mind and we were so weird. (laughs) People must've thought we were so strange. Like we were that weird couple who had, like, we always had a can opener with us. And, like, we were carrying cans of tuna and chickpeas. And we didn't, like, put it in Tupperware like normal people. We would just sit in the union and open a can of chickpeas and eat the can of chickpeas. And I'm like, right. But there was – all I keep thinking is is I just want to go back to UWM and look for the weird kid with chickpeas. You know, (laughs) because I assume assume there's one all the time. But it was, you know, like when you start to – you know, we we had unique. Well, I'll just say we had unique college experiences. Like I only yeah. drank, so I only drank alcohol once in college. Uh huh. And and it wasn't like it was that was never the thing that I missed. But at at the same time, I wouldn't do. <laughs> like I don't mind. I don't think it would be bad to be drunk in college. I think that's sort of when you do it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like I also haven't. Like that was. You know, like I really, I stopped actively drinking alcohol when I was fifteen. Anyway, but yeah. you know, it was it was just sort of this. You know, when when you're carrying around can openers and chickpeas, I specifically yeah. remember those things. Like, we're – and like there was a lo- like we couldn't I couldn't chew gum. Yeah, and it was and it was because the gum would activate the you know the. The fluids in your stomach and all of a sudden your body would would alter itself and i'm like okay whatever you say is fine you know Uh, and
1: that is so funny
0: right and then being you know being exposed to sort of ayurvedic what what they the class was called experiential physiology
1: Uh (laughs) uh-huh with with this
0: ayurvedic core Uh uh-huh and the thing is like now I, I would, I would love to go back and retake the class as a 48 year old because I could appreciate it because as a 20 something, I was like, seriously, I just want to eat cheeseburgers. I don't know what this is, yeah. but I don't, I don't care about, you know, if I have a fire or a wind going through me inside, I just, you know, because all of that stuff is like, (laughs) is so foreign, you know, I, yeah, but, uh, the but,
1: agni or the vayu yeah right, that's exactly funny as hell the there, fire yes. or the wind that's yeah right, that's right yeah you know and the funny damn thing is dino you know, you're talking about this weird kid with a can of chickpeas and the can opener really out of out of out of out of place 20 30 40 years ago right. today man in, in like that's ayurvedic physiology today man that class would be packed right yeah a whole different ball game now if you were part of that
0: right oh yeah absolutely now the people would be sitting in the hall and They'd be, you know, live streaming the class and yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, but at the time, you just like the other, like <laughs> touch for health. Did Have you yeah. heard, like all like Reiki? I just remember every Sunday we had uh-huh. to go to some strange church <laughs> and go through some, on, you know, because I came up Catholic and so you go yeah. through a strange yeah. church where there's drumming <laughs> and yeah. like. A person would always ask me, "Did you see the the aura around him?" Oh God! And the yeah. answer was always no. Like I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no. And then it'd be like, "What did you?" And I I I feel self conscious, so I turn it around. and would be like, "Well, yeah. What did you think?" Oh, the yeah, purple yeah, was awesome. Yes, the purple was great. Yeah,
1: you know. That's so funny. You found a way. That's perfect.
0: Yeah, just because you know it was, like I obviously a lot of it was just absolute hooey to me at the time. Yeah. But um, but it was I was self aware enough not to or I was afraid it actually what it was was I was afraid enough of Jackie and our relationship that I didn't want to create <laughs> ruffles and, or ripples in the water that's like, hilarious me, man me, uh one weekend um one weekend we went through uh what what amounted to this sort of rebirthing ceremony, uh-huh, and it was.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah,
0: It was just this, you know, like sweat lodge and, and, you know, (laughs) kind of going like it was really all about kind of going back and finding the thing that finding a thing that made you cry or a thing that was traumatic Uh and just sort of trying to find trying to reach reopen that wound up and then push yourself through it again. And it was, you know, again, being being a 20 something i'm like this is dumb but it, like the other part of me was like oh shit this kind of worked you know yeah. like all of a sudden you know you go like oh i i apparently i'm pretty mad at my father you know uh, yeah, and you just yeah. you're like okay and i in looking back at my writing at the time um it there there are points where it became sort of less 20 something angry guy and yeah. just sort of 20 something guy looking for his voice because there's, uh-huh. there's a a chunk of my young writing. And I think a lot of men do this or go through this where, you know, we're, we're mad at our fathers or we're mad at whatever. And we just, we write horrible things, you know? Sure. And so I, I was, uh, someone asked me about, do you, do you remember on Saturday night live when Sinead O'Connor tore up a picture of the Pope? Yes. OK, so I don't know, like apparently she was in the news recently and someone, a young person brought her up to me like, hey, you know, she's from your your time and what, it, you know, what's this about? And so I told him about, you know, the, the Catholic priest and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and I remember specifically for about 12 months, I wrote a series of poems, all of them called Fuck You, Bob Dylan. Really? Yeah. And so it was, if you were, what the reason I did it was, so there was, she did the thing on SNL and just got crushed in the media. And, uh, like a week or two later, there was a giant benefit of some kind in some giant stadium somewhere and she was performing and it was her and Chris Christopherson and Dylan and all the sort of voices of the day. And she she walked out on stage and just started the booze just wouldn't stop. Uh huh. And all of the performers, all of the male performers walked on stage and, and stood with her in solidarity, except nice. Dylan. Oh, really? And I'm like, oh, and again, as a 20 something young man, that was all I needed to hate his guts. Yeah, You know, and now look, looking. I don't know why he didn't come out. And to, to be fair, I don't really care, but you know, it's like, all right, yeah. well, yeah, it was, you're, you're going to be the target. I'm going to, you're going to be the guy I write about for a year. And, uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then, so I want to, let's, let's get back to the yoga a little bit. So how all did right. you, how did you
1: find a teacher? Uh, you mean, um, to become mean- a teacher Oh, where, did you, yeah, a where
0: did you go to get a teacher?
1: Okay, yeah. After we moved here, Dino, in um, January of 2017, two years ago now, slightly over two years ago, I found three or four studios close to where we live in East Phoenix, and it just so happens that one of them I found had a yoga training coming up, and the good thing about this particular training is that it was a condensed version 20 days in retreat where you basically live, practice, eat, breathe yoga 24-7, and this retreat was in um, a big retreat house in, uh, up in the mountains in Pine, Arizona, and the, uh, the place that it sponsored it was called Gilbert Yoga, and Cassandra Wallach was my teacher, and, and she trained me to, to teach along with um, you know, a number of other people. And when I found out that what I found out then over time and looking back now and comparing it with other teachings that I see and knowing what I know about, you know, kind of this library in my head of yoga and the schools of yoga and the possibilities of teaching and blah, 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 she was really good for me because she happened to focus more on breathing than almost anyone I've encountered either before or since. And the reason that was so good is that the breathing thing tied really closely to what I learned in Hawaii about free diving. You know, we moved out there, and I, I saw these guys take a deep breath and dive down 60, 80, 100 feet and swim with the dolphins, you know, and they'd, they'd twirl, and the damn dolphins would come right up next to them, and they'd twirl in the same direction. They'd take a le- – this is on a, one breath. It's not with a the tank. They'd take a deep breath, dive down. And take a leaf, a big, you know, these banana leaves are as big as, uh, uh, as, big as you or me. They take one of these leaves down, hand it off the dolphins. And the dolphins would play with this thing like crazy. And I even saw one time one of these freedivers divers go down, take off her top, her bikini top, while swimming and release it. And the dolphins took it and they were playing like hell with it. And then they dropped it. She swam over, picked it up and went up to the surface. Well, I, I saw this and I said to a guy on the beach, Hey, man, what's your name? He told me, he said, can you teach me how to do that? He said, yeah, I can teach you. I said, well, when can we start? He said, you know, meet here at the beach, same place, in two weeks. I said, okay. I met him. He taught me how to free dive. And it's interesting, Dino, because he said, do you do yoga? And at the time, I did not. I said, no. And he said, oh, it's too bad, because I found that yoga people are much cooler, better at doing this than non-yoga people because they worked with their breath so much. And I'm like, whoa, tell me more. So I had a whole entree into that discussion about breath through freediving. I learned a lot about it. And then, of course, after I did yoga and the training with Cassandra and everything I've read about yoga and breathing, uh, the breath as a function of physiology, the parasympathetic nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system, all that good stuff, I realized man, what an interesting paradox here. I learn about conscious breath hold in Hawaii, (laughs) and I come back to Arizona, and I learn about conscious breath employment or conscious breath use or moving with conscious intentional breath. And and so now when I do my yoga classes as a teacher— I actually focus a lot more on breathing and breath than anyone I know, and part of that comes from uh, my training as a freediver, but also from Cassandra, and then also from, you know, my understanding and reading further about breath, this 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 notion of breath or prana as a key aspect of yoga. And I always say in yoga, you know, we we mobilize prana, and prana is the vital life force, the the energy the air that's in this vital center of heart lungs you know center right there we mobilize prana and we embody the asana and we focus the monkey mind and we surrender our cares and when we do that man then some things start happening dude and then that you know like something's happening here that old Stephen still song people people wake up and go shit yeah something's happening here uh maybe i ought to pay attention some of course just go on and don't. They do yoga for exercise and there's a lot of stupid shit out there now, you know? Beer and yoga and wine and yoga, and naked yoga, and weed and yoga and aero yoga and surfboard yoga and all that. That's fine. I don't have I don't have any use for that stuff. None whatsoever. But if somebody gets something out of it, and then they come to the point that, hey, mindfulness and breath might be a little more important than than uh spinning on this thing hanging from the ceiling, um, then you know they'll they'll find their way, and if they don't, that's not my call, my control, my issue, my concern. I know what it is. <laughs> I know what it is, and that is you know the the organic practice of intentional breath, and intentional movement with heightened focus. But intentional breath—that's the key. And man, there's a whole there's a whole library about that intentional breath. It's not just. And, and, you know, I think, I mean, I really think as a critical yoga teacher, but a loving critic, one who's within the tradition, you know, many yoga teachers say, okay, you know, you know, breathe deep, breathe deep for a few times, and they do it for about a minute at the start of class, and then rip into asana, the movements. You know, that's because our culture is on such a damn fast pace, we can't slow down long enough to even do breathing for 10 minutes, uh, you know, so, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I do more of that, I think, than the average person, uh, by a long shot. And, uh, and I, I think, I think, so I've been yakking here way too much about that. But I think you asked me about my teaching and about the practice and how I got to that. Didn't you? Do you know? Yeah, it might've been. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Way too, way too far, far afield perhaps, but.
0: Oh, oh no, it's okay. Don't no, It's a podcast. Go wherever you want. Okay. <laughs> okay, I I can, I can keep up. Don't worry. So okay, because good, good, good. like the it's it's interesting to me being an an older fella now. Like I'm, you know, I'm I, I would be I'm an elder of of the tribe now, and it's that uh the the idea like I I really am am fascinated seeing um the idea of mindfulness sort of enter into. We'll just we'll just say pop culture.
1: No kidding. Isn't and that it, interesting?
0: You know, it, it's it's that I I remember, you know, like it it always takes sort of or for me, it always takes and I and I think this is just sort of granting permission. It always takes sort of an external thing for me to go, yeah, the, the weird shit that I'm fascinated by is is okay. You it's fine, Dino, go ahead. And <laughs> yeah. and so, you know, mindfulness it was um it you know i'm a music guy and i and i was i was of the very first age uh when when hip hop was born when rap music was created
1: mm-hmm. and it was
0: it was a profound influence on my life mm-hmm. and you know essentially one of the founders russell simmons who created the very first hip hop label um at some point in his life Gave up drugs and alcohol and chasing women, and pursued a life as a yogi. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book about mindfulness.
1: How interesting!
0: And so the cool thing is, so yeah. I, um, so he also owned a a, a a clothing company and they, you know, shoes and all of that. And one day, a friend from East said Russell Simmons is going to be here, and I'm like, oh, you know, apparently they come in like you know they they come in and they kind of charge up the troops to sell fat his cl- company was called fat farm and uh-huh. uh you know char- <laughs> charge up the troops to s- essentially sell more to show off the the uh-huh. products and stuff and i'm like can you get me in that meeting oh god and they're like oh, i don't know i don't think so. you don't work here i don't think you can get in that meeting and i'm like okay so then i'm like I I knew about the meeting and I I was at I was at the City Pages so I'm like hi this is Dino from the City Pages I know Russell Simmons is going to be there can I come to his talk and they were like oh yeah people yeah from the media sure that would be okay <laughs> right and the thing was Tammy excellent. had no idea uh-huh she had, it was it wasn't going to turn into an article no. and uh, and so afterwards his That's people excellent. were like you know do, do, would you like to talk to Russell and I'm like oh dear god would I ever you yeah. know and it uh-huh. was like what he wanted to talk about was the product he was there selling and of what course. i wanted to talk about was his book about mindfulness yes and i'm like okay and he really he really had no desire to do that really yeah just none and it was fine cuz i mean i think what happened is you know the private plane landed in cwa in the morning and the private plane was going to take off from CWA in the afternoon. The last thing he wanted, like he was focused on one thing and and sort of coming off of that to talk about this other thing was probably just not available for, for his brain. And that's fine. Okay. But it was, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, so now I can start thinking about mindfulness again, because I, I essentially have what I'm, I'm just going to give myself permission. Nice. And uh, yeah. And since then he's wrote, He's wrote, written a series of books about meditation and yoga and diet and and all sorts of stuff. And he's also been, you know, he got caught up in, you know, having some sexual impropriety scandals and, and you know, kind of was. uh, What is that? Where publicly denounced or, or whatever it was. And he oh, okay. is, he, you know, and he's. He sold his companies, he got a divorce, and the whole thing. And so now, like, he actively just is a yoga guy. He puts, uh-huh. his, he puts his billions of dollars into expanding yoga and veganism and all of this stuff. And it's oh. it's fascinating to me to, again, see these threads pop up in popular culture.
1: That is incredible.
0: Yeah, and so one of the things that I wanted to, I wanted to get back to was how this how this relates to Wausau. And, and how yeah, and so you and I had exchanged an email that you worked with Robin Brettel.
1: Yeah, I did. Um, one of the days along the way, uh, when when we were making our transition back here uh, from Hawaii back to the states, we stayed in Wausau for a while. I mean, that's where Debbie was from and where I worked so we, you know we still have contacts and still get there a lot in the summer and stay stay for quite some time. Well the Everest Fieldhouse had a, a day one a kids celebration or a family family fitness celebration. I went because I read about kids yoga and I thought, well, okay I'm gonna go and see what this is about And Robin was there and she was doing some things on yoga with kids and I walked in before it started and, and kind of introduced myself and said, hey you know, my name is Greg, I'll be taking some training in Arizona soon. Can I see what you're doing with kids? She said, sure, not only can you see, you can help. So I said, all right. So I helped her that day, and then I went to one of her classes maybe a week or two later um, at the middle school, I think, down in Weston. And, you know, kind of kept in touch to some degree with Robin. And then when I wrote um, one of my articles on Enter the Master, Enter the Child, I sent that to Robin, and she, you know, she found it interesting. And what happened, you know, is that... Well, you know the Wausau connection, yeah, you know the Debbie and I were with her daughter and uh, with her daughter and her granddaughter, and her granddaughter was only seventeen months old, and I was in the midst of all this yoga stuff, and you know we we were staying there at their house, so I'd get up from the TV and I'd stretch and I'd do some yoga poses, and, and the little girl would sit on the couch and just stare at me, you know like what's he doing and so then one day I said. I'm going to do some yoga, I think. And I stood up, and I started doing a couple things on the floor. And by God, this little girl jumped up off the couch. She came down and ripped into a perfect downward dog. And then she did a dolphin pose, and she's doing all this stuff. And I'm going, look at this. And she's got a big smile on her face. And she's just jumping into it. And so I wrote an article about that experience, Enter the Master, Enter the Child, and talked about how we, you know, what... <laughs> to kind of open to the curiosity of the moment and the fun of the moment. And if we can start again like that, we can find this real joy in our practice. And, you know, it was published by Asana Journal. And then, and I practiced quite a bit at Community Soul in Wausau there. And, you know, Kirsten just sold it last month, but I practiced a lot with Kirsten. And then another Wausau connection is that um, when I was at Community Soul taking a class one day, Blake, Opsal, Wahosi Woh- is it? Um, who works at the River District now, Wasa River District. Okay. He was a teacher there, and he he used this phrase at, at the end of one of the classes. He says, you know, release into Savasana. And I thought that was such a beautiful phrase, release into Savasana. And this is how a lot of articles start. You know, I'm sitting in a class, and I hear what's going on, and I take this phrase, release into Savasana. Went home, and I wrote an article about that, got that published, called Release into Savasana. And, you know, and and Croy and, and Kroga on Seventh Street. Um, yep. I practiced there as well. And so all of this stuff, you know, many of my articles kind of came out of. Uh, There's another one that came out of the Wausau area when my practice there called a "Slow Down and Breathe," which uh, ties again into the, you know, into the, into the whole free diving thing. But my Wausau connections are still pretty strong. You know, I mean, with the music. You know, I had all kinds of experiences with the McGee's. We were together for five years there with John Shea and Nick Cohen, And, uh, you know, we played at (laughs) Basil with Jim Daly and we played at um, Malarkey's with Tyler. We played at Limerick's there with uh, Corey Holm and did all this stuff, you know. And, you know, God, in some ways I wish I would have stayed there because seven years now, we would have had Twelve years as a band, we could have been halfway decent by now, you know? right yeah and i remember, I remember you doing that interview with us, man, in that apartment you brought up on east uh, the old East School at Nick's house, and you wrote about it in Culture Ben and talked about how hey, you know it's I think your opening statement was something like you know it's hard to play an ancient instrument, and you know you were referring to John Shea at the time regarding bagpipes but but and here's the funny thing about that too, do you know you know i um forty one years ago. Tie in the music tie-in. Forty one years ago I toured in India with um with a small group sponsored by the Lutheran Church. There were eight of us. And we were supposed to go to, you know, hospitals and villages and you know ambassadors' homes and missionaries and churches and all this stuff. And we were all just twenty two and twenty two and below I was the leader of the group at twenty two. And we landed in India, started traveling in this country and just kind of got our freaking minds blowing. You know, I was a young kid from Wisconsin there's another one from Wisconsin. There were two from Iowa. There were two from Ontario, and there was a couple others from other states. Well, for God's sakes, the first time I saw yoga, a guy was doing eagle pose um, outside of the church on an Easter Sunday morning, and he was all twisted up, and I thought, what the hell is wrong with that guy? I thought he was ill. I mean, he just looked sick and twisted, and, I, and there are so many people like that on the streets in India. I thought, well, here's just another you know, paralyzed guy or something and, and really, really in bad shape. And so that's the first time I saw yoga. And we'd go, to a, we'd go to a school and start playing a program. And the minute we were done, a whole bunch of Indian people come on stage next to us to set up and start playing, you know, the <laughs> the, the sitar and, and all these Indian instruments. that I had no idea what was going on. And I remember seeing the sitar for the first time 41 years ago and thinking, that's the weirdest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's got a strange sound, you know, I mean. And they even use it in hurdy-gurdy, man, for God's sakes. It's so strange, you know. Well, and now here, the funny thing, musically, it kind of tie this all together, Dino. All these years later, I'm singing with a friend from India here uh, in Arizona. We're practicing, and we're doing bhakti-type stuff and, and songs to prepare for yoga. She went home to India in December, and I said to her, Sumi, I'm going to give you some money. Can you see if you or your parents can find sitar for me and buy it there i said if i go myself they're going to charge me at least a thousand dollars probably more. <laughs> and she said yeah we'll see what we can do so sumi went uh this is in mysore with her whole family two months ago now in december and they found a beautiful sitar sent me a picture of it i said yes buy this for me they brought it back just last week thursday i started at the uh India India Music Academy in Phoenix, learning the sitar, man. And so here, funniest thing, you talk about this life cycle circle, you know, and you talked about that with right. your story. Here we go, Dino. Ancient instrument, bagpipe, sitar. Weird sitar, I'm learning to play it. Weird yoga, I'm teaching it. So strange, dude, to look back after all these years and see our life in this, in this... <laughs> this kind of incredible arc that would make no sense from the other end if we looked back, uh, if we looked ahead. (laughs) But looking back, you go, oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. we from Wisconsin, learns sitar, and teaches yoga in Arizona after all this stuff. How did that happen?
0: Right. What would your colleagues at NTC think of this?
1: Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what they were talking I think just
0: I just assumed you were the weirdest guy in the room then and they'd yeah. just be like, Yeah, okay, that's what he's gonna do, I suppose. You know That's
1: probably that's probably about it. But it it's
0: that <laughs> like, you know, you what I so there there were a bunch of threads there I thought I'd I'd jump into, but yeah, what yeah, I'll do, do is because um, we're we're kinda coming to the end. But so the the thing with uh with Robin is, so I don't, I don't have any kids of my own or anything like that, but, uh, my brother has a daughter, Sophie, who is nine, uh, uh-huh. maybe eight. And so I know, I know Nick and Robin socially. And mm-hmm. I had like, I had very little sense of, of sort of the Wassa community yoga thing until like Nick, who's my dentist. And, uh, and Robin's husband brought it up. He's like, yeah, Robin teaches yoga. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I started talking to her, and I'm like, I think I want my niece to do yoga because uh-huh. this for the same experience you had, like, if you can, like, get them to learn to swim or to do yoga or to learn to rock climb or whatever it is, you can – they can find that sort of joy yeah. so much younger, and that helps them.
1: And, it helps uh, us, too. Yeah,
0: it helps us, yeah. too. And so yeah. uh, Robin's like, yeah, I teach a a, a kid's yoga class at, at Community Ed or, you know, at the Green Heck Fieldhouse or wherever it yeah. was. And yeah. so I said, I said to Sophie, I'm like, would you want to do that? And so she's like, yeah, that would be fun. And so she goes to yoga uh, for twice each semester. She takes uh, a yoga class once a day or once a week with like I pick her up from school and and I have her for the rest of the afternoon and we go like specifically up there to yoga and I'm oh beautiful. I I sit with the other yoga parents and, (laughs) uh, and it's, and it's, it's remarkable to sort of see. And then in the summertime, Mm -hmm. um, so Sophie goes to what they call at DC Everest adventure camp, which Uh is, which is day camp essentially. And, uh, And one of the things that Sophie really looks forward to is every week Robin comes and does yoga. Oh, great. And so like she like it's just this thing where it's yes, the yoga is wonderful. But, you know, it's not like eight year olds are really I can't imagine. Like I taught swimming lessons to little kids and Uh you just sort of go, please don't drown. You know, you can (laughs) if you learn to swim, that'd be great as long as you don't die. You know, and I and I think that there's this thing again where it's a lifetime practice where, yeah, it'd be great if, if Sophie learned uh, or stayed with yoga and became connected to it. But yeah. for now, whatever. You know, she's she's socializing with, with people her age. She focuses, uh, you know, for 10 minutes once a week on her breath. And I'll take it, you know. Yes. All day yes. long. I'll take that all day long because she uses that – like she has – uh, I borrowed her yoga mat because I bought her a yoga mm-hmm. mat for Christmas. And, uh-huh. I, bo- and I borrowed it because I was using it. And she's like, Uncle Dino, I need that back. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, well, that's the coolest thing ever. Sure, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And there's there's that point like, you know, yeah, the beginner's mind is amazing, you
1: know. Yeah, and, you, you know, when you talked about, you know, connection and – you know yoga comes from the you know word yoke or connection or union and you know it's always a connection to self that really comes out and by god if that if that can start happening for kids when they're young yeah that can yeah. that can save their life someday i'm not I'm not kidding it can yeah. save their life someday like my my ex jackie
0: she uh her and her husband paul have pursued his academic career across the country and she's been a, a physical therapist along the way and now they're in they're in a town called Grinnell, Iowa, which, oh, yeah. which is <laughs> the, like, if you visit, it's really just a, a liberal arts town cliche. Yes, it's yes, It's just yes. ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Like, if you see, like, if you go online and watch a movie about a Midwestern liberal arts college in a small town, yes. that's, that's what it is. Yes, and, I've been uh, there, yes. Right. <laughs> so for a while, she was coaching their volleyball team, and she was teaching yoga to college athletes Mm -hmm. and it was like hearing her tell the stories about it was fascinating because she just sort of you know 18 year old boys were on the baseball team they don't again having been an 18 year old boy that she stuck in these things at the time you know it's it's they they're just sort of like look lady we just want to play better baseball if you can help me with my hips that'd be great but yes you know again it's that thing where yeah she you know she really uh just kept just kept championing or she just keeps championing the benefits of yoga and now she does she's returned to sort of one of uh one of the things that she developed in college and she does uh cranial sacral therapy therapy oh, goodness. goodness and it's having been with her when she was learning that and she was probably doing it wrong i know that it's remark it is a remarkably powerful tool absolutely and uh and she's pursued it like you know like her yoga practice she has pursued it literally her entire life and wow. so she's you know she goes on yoga retreats and she goes away to to study cranial sacral sacral and she's a TA and, and all of this stuff. And I, you know, along with the hard science of being a physical therapist.
1: Wow. Yeah. Fantastic so, combination. Yeah, it's a, wow. it's a,
0: like she's, you know, I, I appreciate her so much more now than I did when I was 22. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: It's so, yeah. really great. So, you
0: know, right.
1: there Go There's ahead. one more, one yeah. more event I wanted to talk to you about. You know, we talked about these, these events that happen both in your life and in my life that, that kind of tend to, jettison you into a new path or move you into a new direction I remember very specifically Dino when I realized how, bent, how yoga had helped me and this was after about two years practicing in Hawaii and it made me think about teaching it to motorcycle riders I was driving down a narrow road in Hawaii and if you know anything about that Hawaii they're all narrow and they're all made out of lava and they got rocks all over hell in the shoulders and so if you fall it'll hurt like hell or you'll go off a cliff and die one of the two and I was going down this really narrow road, and I had to make a U-turn very quickly because the road was coming to an end, and there was traffic behind me, and it was a mess. Dino, I pulled off the side of the road, and I did a quick U-turn on my bike. Now, I was driving a Road King. You know me. I'm not a very big guy. Right. like 175 pounds, man. I'm pretty small. My Road King is 800 some. It's a huge bike. I came to this little area at the end of the road. Whipped a U-turn and just shot back the other way like nothing had happened. And I realized at that very moment, wow, that U-turn was really easy. I was completely relaxed. I just ripped through it, and a U-turn on a big bike is stress-producing. A lot of people can't do them. They'll go around the block instead of do a U-turn because it's hard to do. And I just ripped right through this thing and came back, and I'm like, wow, that was amazing. This is what yoga has taught me, to be cool in the midst of stress to relax, just go around, just take your time and move with ease. Boom. There goes the U-turn. There I was going the other direction. And I said to myself, right then, this shit really is good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's what's what happened. Yeah.
0: So, so we're going to – we'll leave it there. But okay. if, if people want to get more uh, information about you or your writing or your teaching, is there somewhere on the internet we can direct them
1: to? Yeah, you you know, I I think they could, if they use the hashtag MotorcyclingYogiG, just MotorcyclingYogiG, one word, that'll get them to some of the writing on the internet, but probably the the better place would be my website, you know, HTTPS, and then my name, GregoryOrmson.com, G-R-E-G-O-R-Y-O-R-M-S-O-N.com. Cool. We'll put a link to that in the notes with the show. Fantastic. Man, I truly enjoyed talking to you, Dino. It was really fun tonight. Yeah, we're going to...
0: I. There's a bunch of things that I want to have you back, and we'll talk again. Okay. Cool. And we're done. The sun is filled with ice and gives no warmth at all. And the sky was never blue. The stars are raindrops searching for a place to fall. And I never cared
1: for you.
0: Believe these things I tell you No, you won't believe Your heart has been forewarned All men will lie to you And your mind cannot conceive Now all depends on what I say to you And on your doubting me So So I've I've prepared prepared these statements statements far from true. true The sun is filled with ice and gives no warmth at all The sky was never blue The stars are raindrops searching for a place to fall I never cared raindrops searching for a place to fall. And I never cared for you. I never cared for you. I never cared.